the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. When we go to the Lord and we confess our sin, listen, this is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can choose to have our sin unconfessed and it'll get exposed. Or we can come clean with God, confess our sins, and He covers it by the blood of Jesus Christ and He forgives us. So this is the merciful hand of God. In today's message, Pastor Gary shares about how the nation of Israel, and one Israelite in particular, struggled with confessing sin. When you refuse to acknowledge and repent from your sin, you hinder God's blessings on your life. God knows all and sees all, and He wants to have a relationship with you that is not clouded by unconfessed sin against Him. He takes this very seriously. Why? because He loves you too much to see you struggle with behavior that hurts you and your relationship with Him. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua, chapter 7, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. The aspect of war is difficult for us, but we need to understand in perspective of God's redemptive plan, He wanted to return a people to a place that He promised on oath. From that place, among those people would emerge a Messiah to save the whole world. And because after 400 years, the people who occupied that land thumbed a nose at God, God then judged them. And it is His prerogative to judge those who have refused Him and rejected Him. And as much as we don't like bloodshed and war and we don't like all of this, you know, terrible slaughter here, this in the end is to display that he's a serious God who is just and he is merciful to all who call upon him, like Rahab and her family. She's a picture of all of us. But that he will not be patient forever. There is a limit to God's patience. And we need to all understand this. There is a day of judgment for everybody. Now, for those of us in Christ, we pass from death to life. There's therefore now no condemnation. Our judgment is on the cross. But otherwise, everybody on earth will be judged in some way, shape, or form. You're either judged by the cross and receive His mercy, or you deny the cross and you will receive His justice. I would much rather have His mercy. So... That's a little bit about the ethical dilemma of war, and I, and I wanted to just you know highlight that because of where we are in all of this. So what we have here back in chapter 7-1 is Achan, who acts sinfully by taking 
some of the consecrate, some of the accursed things that are in the city of, of, uh, of Jericho. And so it's going to come back to haunt them. Uh, if I had a title for um, this chapter, it would be Mistaken Aiken. <laughs> and if you know how the chapter ends, which hopefully we'll get to, it could really be called Mistaken Aiken Fried Like Bacon. <laughs> but bacon's not kosher, so maybe that title won't do. Well, look at verse 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai, and the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. All right, now note, these are the first casualties among the Israelis, and they're not used to losing because every step along the way, God has been with them, and God has demonstrated His powerful hand. So that's why their hearts have melted, because they are seeing defeat for the first time, and 36 casualties of war. And so it says in verse 6, Then Joshua tore his clothes. That's a sign of grieving and, and mourning. He tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel... And they put dust on their heads. That's all just a sign of grief and mourning. Verse 7, And Joshua said, so now he's praying, watch this, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So Joshua has no idea why they've suffered defeat. And by the way, when we get to the end of the chapter, if we have time, um, I'm going to share four quick lessons from Achan. So when we get to the end, don't think he's done because I'm I'm not going to be done. I got four quick points, but I'm going to summarize them when we get to the end. But I want you to notice with me at this point, Joshua has no idea why they've been defeated, but he's grieving before God. He doesn't know what's happened. Uh, You know, we don't find out a little bit later. So so he has no idea. He's pleading before God. He's on his face before God. He's, you know, torn his clothes, got dust all over his head and stuff. And he's, and he's asking something that we typically do. Why, God, have you allowed this? Oh, as if God is responsible. So watch the Lord's response in, in verse uh, 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Don't you love that? Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. 
Therefore, this is all God speaking to Joshua. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who was taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. Wow. This is God saying to Joshua, this is the reason why you've experienced defeat. So instead of asking me, why have you done this or allowed this to happen? Get up off your face. You got a problem in the camp. So now Joshua realizes what's going on. But they are going to have to figure out who it is through a process of elimination. And so God prescribes it. He outlines it right there. I want you to bring out tribes among the 12 tribes of Israel And then I'm going to select which is the one of the 12 tribes. And out of those tribes, I'm going to tell you which is the right family. And out of the families, I'm going to tell you which is the right household. And out of the household, there's one man. I'm going to expose it bit by bit. So the next day, verse 16, So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. Now, it doesn't tell us, by the way, the process by which the right tribe and family and household and man is discerned. It is believed that they are using, this is again, you know, this is before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You don't get to that until Acts chapter 2. So prior to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, how did man discern the the will of God? Well, one of the things that they would rely on was something that the priests, the high priest would carry in his vestment, two stones called the Urim and the Thummim. The Urim and the Thummim were two stones by which they would discern the will of God. And, that, and God was providentially involved in the use of the Urim and Thummim. So a priest had a vestment, and he had a pocket within the vestment. And there were two stones, they, it is believed, of different colors. One was the Urim, which meant curse uh, or, or guilt. And the other was Thummim, which meant uh, innocent or faultless. It was basically no and yes. Uh, and so... These two stones would be inside the vestment, and then when the people of Israel needed to discern some major decision, they would pray, ask the Lord, and then the priest would pull out a stone, and if it was the Urim, that meant curse, no, not, don't do it. If it was the Thummim, it meant innocent, faultless, that was the affirmative, yes, go ahead. So that's what is believed as being used to, but we don't, we don't know. It could simply be Joshua prays, and as he prays, the Lord reveals it to him. We don't know exactly by what method it is used to discern here, but we do know that it is discerned uh, bit by bit uh, through the tribes, through the families, through the households, and then by man. So, so again, verse 10, verse uh, uh, 16. So Joshua rose early in the morning, brought Israel by their tribes, And the tribe of Judah was taken. So out of the 12, Judah was taken. 
So he, he kind of segregates Judah now from the rest. Verse 17, and he brought the clan of Judah and he took the family of the Zarites. And he brought the family of the Zarites man by man. And Zabdi was taken. And then he brought his household man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. Let me ask you a question. What do you think was going through Achan's mind through that whole process? You're standing with, you know, a multitude of tens of thousands of people. And then through discernment, it is announced, it's the tribe of Judah. All the rest of you can go home. And, you know, you're Achan. You're like, I'm in the tribe of Judah. And so then the tribe of Judah's left. And then the next, you know, family is called out. And Achan's like, yeah, that's my family. And then the next household, yeah, that's my household. I mean, you know, he's standing there realizing by now, no doubt, that he's about to be exposed here. And I think this is an important, why would God do this little by little instead of just saying, Joshua, it's Achan, I'm, I'm telling you right now, and deal with him. I'm going to tell you why. I believe God is doing it incrementally like this, but hold on, let's, let's look at the rest of the passage. Verse 19, and now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, and he said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils, this is in Jericho, a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them. Circle that. I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So the guy stole this stuff, took it as plunder, you know, in the midst of the chaos there as they take Jericho, takes it, brings it back to his tent, digs a hole and buries it. You know, listen, if you have to bury the stuff, what good is it anyway? I mean, he's never going to, when in the world would, he, world would he ever be able to bring out that Babylonian robe and go, check it out, it was on sale. No. <laughs> Everybody's going to look at it and go, uh, excuse me, where did you get that? And how all of a sudden has he become wealthy with his silver and gold? By the way, in today's dollars, the weight of the shekels here and of silver and of gold, it's about five pounds of silver. So I looked up what, what it's silver's going for per ounce today. This is about $2,200 worth of silver in today's dollars. And um, the amount of gold that he stole is about a pound and a quarter of gold, which comes out to about $38,000. In today's dollars, the co- combination is about forty grand, $40,000 and a Babylonian robe. And you're going to die over this. Like, the things that we do because we covet that end up destroying us. It's not worth it. It's just, it's just never worth it. And so it says in verse 22, So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent, with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, The silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? Do you know Achan's name, Achan, in Hebrew means troubler? 
This is a play on words. He's like, Achan, you are living up to your name. This is a self-fulfilling prophecy. You are born Echan, which means troubler. I don't know what parent would name their child that, but they did. And he said, and now you have brought trouble on us. And he says, the Lord will trouble you this day. And so all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And then they raised, they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. And so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Achor, the same root word for Achan. And so four things, real quickly, lessons from, from Achan. Number one. Secret sin is no secret to God, right? Secret sin is no secret to God. Joshua may not have originally known what Achan did. Nobody else in Israel may have necessarily known what Achan did. Maybe even Mrs. Achan didn't know what Achan did, but God knew what Achan did. He can smuggle it into his tent, bury it, and hide it, but nothing is hidden from God. Everything about our lives is in full view of God. In Hebrews 4.13, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. In Psalm 33.13-15, it says, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From His dwelling place He watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. That's Psalm 33.13-15. Proverbs 5.21 says, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. So there is no secret sin with God. He sees it all. Number two, secret sin affects others besides you. All throughout this chapter, it was written in the plural, even though the offense was committed by a singular person. Israel this, Israel that, they this, they that. Because the ramifications spill over into the lives of others around us. Secret sin does not only affect ourselves. Teens secretly doing things, sinfully hiding from mom and dad, will affect that relationship. A husband cheating on a wife, a wife cheating on a husband, will affect the relationship, even while it's still secret. An employee secretly stealing from the company, that will affect it in the long run. Rarely is our unconfessed sin something that only affects ourselves. There are ramifications for people around us. This is the whole story of chapter 7. Number three, this is an important one, secret sin makes us more vulnerable to the enemy. The Israelites got trounced by the people of Ai because there was secret sin in the camp. God's favor and protection are extended to His children as we walk in obedience. But when we walk in disobedience, how can we expect the favor and protection of the Lord? The Bible says in 1 Peter 5.8 that the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Next verse, 1 Peter 5.9 says, resist him standing firm in the faith. We can't really be standing firm in the faith if we are not living in obedience to the Lord. So how can we expect his protection from the enemy? They suffered defeat here because of unconfessed sin. It's important for us to understand it goes hand in hand. And then lastly, number four, secret sin can either stay unconfessed and get uncovered or get confessed and stay covered. 
Now, what do I mean by this? Here's where I think this process of elimination expresses to us really what was the mercy of God. I'm convinced that the reason why God just didn't name Achan from the beginning and expose him, because God knows all things, he knew exactly who was guilty, was because he was giving these incremental steps as an opportunity for at any moment for Achan to step up and say, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to tell you right now, it was me. And I, I don't have anything other than, you know, other, a few other comparative things in the Bible to, to say this definitively, so, so we don't really know, but I believe that Achan's life could have been spared. You know, when, when Hezekiah was uh, dying and Isaiah the prophet went to him and said, there's a death sentence on your life, get your house in order, the Lord has determined that you're going to die. And it says that Hezekiah turned to the wall and wept and prayed to God, and God extended his life. So even where there's the sentence of God, there can be the mercy of God if we turn. And I'm convinced that the reason why God went tribe by tribe, clan by clan, family by family, household by household, man by man, was to give time for Achan to step up and to confess before he was exposed. And I think if we do that, then God will cover, not cover not cover up, okay? God is not interested in covering up things like covertly. But the Bible talks about how he covers over our offenses, how his forgiveness covers over our offenses. Let me give them to you. In Proverbs 28, 13, first, it tells us how unconfessed sin can get uncovered. In Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Okay, that's Proverbs 28, 13. Now listen to this, Proverbs, uh, Psalm 32. This is David praying a prayer of confession in Psalm 32, 1 to 5. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. There's the word right there in the Bible. That when we come clean with God, He covers over our sin. We don't have to be embarrassed by it. Because He he covers it with the blood of His Son, Jesus. He forgives us and He imparts to us His mercy and His grace because we come clean to Him. When we don't come clean, then He exposes it. And it's much more painful. But David says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. David says, when I kept silent... When I kept it covered, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand, Lord, was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. But I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Psalm 85 verse 2 says something very similar. You, Lord, have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. This is good news for us. It doesn't have to be humiliating and embarrassing. When we go to the Lord and we confess our sin, listen, this is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can choose to have our sin unconfessed and it'll get exposed. Or we can come clean with God, confess our sins, and He covers it by the blood of Jesus Christ, and He forgives us. 
so this is the merciful hand of God. I think Achan had a chance here. It could have gone very differently for him had he just come clean and acknowledged his sin before the Lord. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message in the book of Joshua again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the teachings option, you can download our mobile app to stay connected with God's Word everywhere you go. While you're there, you'll notice our companion resources. These digital study guides give you some additional insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done. They are completely free for you to use. If this ministry continues to be a blessing to you and you want to listen to more teachings, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify so you never miss another message. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry out of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you in person, so come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today, so put a marker in your Bible right there in Joshua, and we'll plan to study the Word again next time. Thanks so much for listening to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.